Well, good morning and welcome, Becky. It's lovely to have you back on our podcast today. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, really nice to speak to you again. Yeah, so we thought we'd um, continue on from what we spoke about the last time um, about you know, your pregnancy with Heidi and, and her short time on earth here. Um, and we wondered if you could tell us what happened next um, for, for people who, who are probably wondering. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think we ended the last uh, podcast um, with sort of Heidi had, had just passed away just three and a half hours after she was born. Um, and um, of course, the, the next thing once we'd left the hospital without our baby which is something that no parent ever wants to have to do um, was organizing her funeral and thinking about um, what we were going to do um, sort of afterwards and um, I had sort of thought about about what we might like to do while I was pregnant because as I discussed before we had been told that it was very likely that she wouldn't um, survive we had still hoped that she would and we wanted you know medical treatment just in case she could but you know in the end the, the, the doctors were right and she didn't survive so I had thought about what we what the service and her funeral might look like and as I said before we're churchgoers so um, that had been sort of part of the part of the plan and I'd sort of thought about some things um, but um of course, then COVID hit mm. and um, Heidi was born at the end of April 2020. So that was right at the height of COVID. And so my sort of plans that I had in my head for um, how I might have a sort of funeral service where the friends and family who'd been amazingly supportive to us during the pregnancy could come and could celebrate her life and say goodbye couldn't happen. So all mm. of that was sort of... Um, had to be kind of abandoned um, and in the end we just had a very simple service um, just at the crematorium with um, the vicar from our church who I said in the last episode of the podcast had been there when Heidi was born mm -hmm. she did the funeral service and um, it was just my immediate family my husband's family and um, live in Germany so they were not able to fly over and be there although they watched it on a a sort of live video link mm -hmm. so it was just very very simple um we um we used um the co-op funeral care for her um for her funeral and that's you know one they they very kindly do free funerals for babies and children so that was just one other thing you know they do it a lot and so they were, were brilliant and sort of looked looked after all of that for us um and in the run-up that we had quite a long gap between Heidi being born and the funeral because of COVID and um, trying to get a, a date at the crematorium for the funeral and everything. And um, I actually asked if I could, if we could go and um, see Heidi's coffin prior to the funeral, because I was very, um, you sort of see, I've, I'd seen it in new, you know, newspaper articles and things when babies or children die, that little white coffin. Mm, um, yeah. And I was quite worried about how I would react when I saw yeah. the little white coffin um, mm. for the first time in the crematorium. So we actually went um, to the funeral directors a few days before the funeral, just so that we could, I could see what it was going to look like. So it wasn't quite yeah. so much of a shock. And it is, it's a, you know, it's a big, a big shock kind of yeah. seeing this little, white box which is so small which you know has the body of your baby inside mm. um but the actual funeral on the day with just in my immediate family um was really was really beautiful and um 
we had a couple of um, songs that had been very meaningful to me during my pregnancy that they played and Michael and I said a few words and then there was just the sort of standard funeral stuff. Um, I made a special request that um, we left before that awful moment where the kind of curtains yeah. close around the coffin at the crematorium, which seems to be standard practice. So we left um, before that point happened in the service because I just couldn't bear that. And then the thing that was just um, so such a wonderful surprise and such a blessing for me was that um, a whole group of my friends from my church who would have been at the funeral service if they had been able to, but work couldn't be there because of COVID, came and they stood outside the auditorium for us. And they sang a lot of the kind of hymns and worship songs that we would have had at the funeral for us. Um, the, yeah, one of them's very talented musician and she had her guitar and it was just a wonderful surprise and you know, something that I will just never ever forget it was it was just wonderful to see them there and to see them kind of singing and supporting yeah. us um, even though they couldn't be there in person yeah. um, so that was that was sort of how the how the funeral um how the funeral went as I said it's not something that you ever no. want have to plan um, but it was felt a good way of, of a good opportunity to say goodbye to her yeah and and I suppose um, a way that you felt that you could maybe close that chapter, not to say that that's the end or you won't ever um, feel anything, but it's, the funeral is a big milestone, isn't it, to get beyond that, that point. Um, and what a beautiful token from your friends to, to stand outside like that and show their support in a, in a way um, they found a way around, you know, the, the circumstances. So how, how lovely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was, it was really wonderful. And Becky, um, you, you mentioned the funeral directors and it's so lovely that they accommodated your requests and, you know, you asked to go see the, the coffin ahead of time. So, um, again, not something anyone ever wants to do, plan, plan their baby's funeral. It's just the worst idea. Um, but you say overall it was a positive experience and they were very, you know, um, accommodating. Is that they, were, they were. They were very kind of very accommodating and um, they also um kindly sort of bent the rules because we were at that stage of covid where the rules were so strict around funerals and the official rule was that no one was allowed to touch the coffin once okay. we were in there but they very kindly let michael carry the coffin carry okay. his coffin in yeah. which was also very meaningful mm. for us so mm. they were very kind Good. That's lovely to hear. And it's nice that they may, managed to let his family overseas be part of it, um, even though they couldn't be there in person. So I'm really glad that it was such a positive experience. Mm, yeah, it was. It was. And then how how did the grieving process go from there? I mean, how did you guys cope with the bereavement after that big milestone had passed? Yeah, it's um, it was it was not a how I thought it was going to be actually. Um, I know um, people may have seen that the sort of two uh, different kind of diagrams about bereavement where one where it's a sort of line of bereavement around, you know, not, not accepting it and anger and, you know, pain and whatever and towards acceptance and the sort of um, 
acknowledgement now is that grieving is not in a sort of straight line where you move through stages one by one it's more like a kind of squiggly diagram with lots of lines everywhere because it, it's it's not a sort of linear process and I had expected that it would be I I would just be unable to get out of bed in the immediate aftermath I would just be so devastated and, and just unable to function and the reality when it actually happened was quite different um, and I, I didn't feel that terrible shock and numbness and being unable to function as I thought I would um, but I sort of felt okay actually and I felt quite at peace about what had happened and um, in our during our pregnancy, during the pregnancy, I'd spoken to um, Dr. Marty McCaffrey, who's a great friend of Soft UK. He's a, a doctor in the US, a neonatologist, and he had talked to me about needing to make decisions during my pregnancy that would mean that I didn't wake up in the middle of the night worried that I should mm -hmm. have done something different mm -hmm. six months down the line. Mm -hmm. um, and so because I'd had a lot of support to sort of make those, we had had a lot of support to make those kind of decisions, I didn't feel that sort of terrible what worry and regret or anything I felt mm. quite at peace about it mm. um, and I think other other people were quite surprised I think that I felt like that and so I had a number of people sort of say well you know you almost you will start you will yeah. start to feel much yeah. worse yeah. and um, don't compare your grief to other people and and, and don't um yeah, and almost sort of being sort of slightly kind of almost doom mongers that this was going to be much, much worse, yeah. sort of brace yeah. myself. And But we had some counselling with Petals, who are an organisation that um, help parents who've lost lost babies and children. And and the counsellor just said to us, just, just go, go with how yeah. you feel. Don't worry that you're not feeling the right thing. Just go with how you feel. And actually yeah. what I've sort of, what I realised was because we had found out that Heidi was very very ill at 14 when I was 14 weeks pregnant we had done a lot of that initial shock and yeah. grief during the pregnancy yeah of course we realized that it wasn't going to be the sort of pregnancy and birth and baby that we had anticipated mm. um and and that Heidi wasn't was going to be ill so it was really different from that point of view the sort of initial weeks and days but what I have found and I've heard other people who've lost babies and children say this is that it's the sort of long tail of grief yeah. is quite significant because it's not just losing the baby it's losing the child that would have celebrated their first birthday and the yeah. child that would have celebrated her second birthday and there'll be all of those milestones yeah. um starting school and starting school and yeah. we you know for the rest for the for the rest of our lives we'll be thinking that so the long the long tail of grief is is sort of really significant I think for, mm. for me and so it hasn't been a sort of quick it sort of quickly got better it's it's very mm. it's made it's stayed quite considerable I think in some ways mm. and I, I often think about um what 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 we would have been doing if Heidi had been here so mm. when we're on holiday what would it have been like if we'd had a two-year-old with us as well as a four-year-old I often look back into the back where my son Aaron is sitting in his car seat and thinking oh hi you know Heidi would have been in the car seat a car seat next to him and we'd have two children in the back so I sort of think about all these all of those things a lot yeah. and I think that's 
yeah, something that I'll probably continue to do. Of course. And Becky, you mentioned Aaron there. I'm sure he played a part in you having to continue and get up out of bed every day. And um, how did you find that experience of having, you know, to navigate everything with, with your son as well? Yeah, it was it was really it was also really different to the way I thought it, it might be. I think we um, he was he was very young when we found out the height that his sister was going to be so ill. So he was only 18 months old and we took the decision when I was pregnant that we wouldn't say anything during the pregnancy because it would be so confusing for him yeah. to know that there was a baby in mummy's tummy yeah. and the baby came home. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't think he actually even noticed I was pregnant. No, no. He, was <laughs> he was, yeah, he'd only just turned two when Heidi was born. And, and you know, two-year-olds are just at the centre of their own world and they just don't oh. notice other stuff like that. So he didn't, I don't think he even noticed. And we went off to the hospital. My parents came and looked after him and we were away mm. for two nights. And, but I have talked to him a lot about his, about his baby sister who's in heaven. Um, and we, I, I sort of didn't want it to be something that was, uh, that we sat down when he was five mm -hmm. and gave him this enormous news. I sort mm -hmm. of wanted it to be something that he couldn't remember being told for the first time because it had always been part of his consciousness. Yeah. Uh, so, so we've sort of talked about her in quite a general way for a long time and I've shown him pictures of her and that sort of thing since before the point at which he can kind of remember it, mm -hmm. you know, he can kind of understand what's going on. Yeah. So. So he does sometimes talk about how he's got a little sister and she's in heaven with Jesus and um and you know she knows that he's she's with his you know he's got a couple of grandparents who have passed away and that they're there mm. as well and so it sort of becomes quite a real thing I think for him. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there'll be other questions and things as he gets older that we'll have to yeah. deal with as well. Yeah, as his understanding changes and I suppose as he grows older, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so in a way you were spared from from a lot of the stress and concern around how do we, what do we say, how do we, how do we talk to us and, and just simply because of his age. Yeah, because of his age, I think, yeah. so I think if we had, if we had brought Heidi home, if she'd been well enough to bring home and she'd been with us for months or even years, yeah. as is the case yeah. with many families that we meet through soft, then it would have been you know really different and we would have had to have taken a different approach and yeah. we were sort of we did talk about what we would do if Heidi was well enough to bring yeah. home and um, and what we would say to him so he, I think he would have been quite surprised yeah 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 okay interesting um and then Becky tell us please how how did this whole experience bring you to be a trustee for soft I'd love to know um that story I was less than a year actually after Heidi was born. I, I just saw an advert on the, the Facebook group and I had previously been trustee of two other charities. And so I, I'd sort of done it before I knew what was involved. And um, I thought that it would be, you know, a really good opportunity to maybe give something back and to be, be involved in, um, in what Soft are doing. I think the other thing that sort of really attracted me was that I'd just seen, um, I had one quite narrow experience of having a baby with Edwards syndrome with trisomy 18 um, but actually soft supports lots of families who've got children who are much much older who are um, you know 
doing really well and at school and um, all sorts of things. And it was also just an opportunity for me to learn more and understand uh, more about other parents' experiences. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. And I suppose in a way as well, keeps you close to Heidi or I suppose, yeah, close to the community anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that um, I really wanted to have the opportunity to do was to just talk to medical staff about my experience. And um, because I'd felt during my pregnancy, they weren't always as well informed as they could be. Um, and I've had the opportunity to do that through soft to speak to speak at a midwives conference with um, Alison Pearson, who's another soft trustee. And that's been a huge privilege. And, um, and I feel like it's a, a you know, a great way to honour Heidi's life um, yeah. to be able to do that kind of thing. So Becky, just touching on um, the conference, could you tell us a bit more about what you what you presented to the medical professionals, please? Sure. Um, so this was a, a training conference for midwives at a hospital in London, and um, I uh, attended with Alison Pearson, who's another um, soft trustee. And I just spoke about um, my experience of the diagnosis of Heidi's condition when I was pregnant and, um, and how that had gone and, and how the pregnancy had gone and then the birth. And also just presented some of the latest research that we're aware of at SOFT um, about um, how children with trisomy 13 and 18 do. And, um, and it was sort of part of an effort to try and um, give parents a better um, experience when their um, children's conditions are diagnosed. Um, and also just to share some of the more positive statistics about, about how well some children with trisomy can do if they um, they're given the right treatment and support so um, I sort of talked about that the main message that I had was just that um, talking about babies um, having a fatal diagnosis or phrases such as all babies die is really not appropriate now in the 21st century when we look at um, how babies with trisomy 13 and 18 do and the statistics mm. so um that was my main message and then Alison spoke really very powerfully about um her experience of her daughter Isabel's diagnosis and what life is like um looking after Isabel now in their family um and she also spoke about how for um a parent with a child um who's alive and at school and part of the family actually even saying life limiting is not really that appropriate mm. it's, it's better mm. to, to use other terms mm. so um yeah it was it was a really positive experience i thought it was a nice way from a personal point of view for for me to sort of pay tribute to, to heidi's life yeah. uh, but also just to share some experiences with some medical teams who might not come across all that many families who have yeah. a diagnosis like yeah, a house to bring it to life for them instead of it just being a condition they read about in black and white in the textbook. Um, that sounds wonderful. And, and was it well received, Becky? It was really well received, actually. Um, I mean, I, I um, work in a sector, I work in the tech sector, and so um, I rarely um, do any kind of speaking in front of audiences, which are almost entirely women. So that was a really new experience, but they were very supportive and um, it was a, yeah it was a great experience i think and it was well received amazing well yeah thanks for representing soft in that way and doing that important job 
Um, and thank you so much for coming on to talk to us. Um, we really appreciate hearing your story and um, finding out a bit more about Heidi and, and your son and your husband and your journey. So thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be involved in all the work that Soft does and also to be part of this podcast.